When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to In Conversation, a Dub Lab podcast where each week we will bring you interviews from the Dub Lab Radio Archives. Dublab.com. Hey, I'm Frosty. It's Celsius Drop. Good morning to you all. It could be afternoon where you're at, but uh, equal warm greetings wherever you are in the world. And uh, I'd like to extend a very warm greeting to Oliver Coates, who's here in the studio. How are you? Morning. Good. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, it's nice to be here. I'm happy to be here. It's uh, This is a good place. First time in LA, right? Yes. Uh, first yeah. time in... Uh, most places in mm. California and and also the mid we've been touring like Midwest and like Kansas City I don't know like lots of places what's a what's been kind of a, a big eye opener anything that's been unexpected that uh, has has changed your perception or love- or fortified <laughs> your perception you mean of the US mm-hmm. the US is just vast and beautiful and everywhere you go people behave with varying degrees of hunger for life and music uh in the outer cities like brooklyn like a uh, new york and over here there's a different thrust about like ambition and stuff and the further central you get the more people are just like chilled out and mm. hungry for sound and uh um yeah, you learn a lot. I like I like playing small places as well as big places. Hmm. And you've been so you're currently touring with Tom York. Yes. And uh playing probably larger venues I'd imagine. Yeah, they they're always they range Yeah, it's funny like they're about, about range between 2000 to 3500 seaters mm. and although San Diego was 1200 that felt very intimate mm. although it's not. You know, it's still pretty big rock club um and uh but yeah he's chosen like some of them are like rock clubs or nightclubs and some of them are like opera houses Mm. which is interesting because like the ritual behind concert going is is different based on um the the sort of the format of the auditorium right Mm. so if everyone's got a seat with a ticket number there's no obligation to rush to the front and stand. but on, so, so one night everyone will be like in an opera house with a, an assigned seat. And the next night they'll be like queuing from 6.30 in the morning or even 3.30 in the morning or mm-hmm. overnight to do that thing where they rush to the yeah. barrier. Um, so it's like wildly different psychologies behind the ritual around gig making. And I find that the most fascinating thing. Like they're picking out the venues that are the size based on capacity, mm. right? Numbers aren't, for me, numbers aren't everything. Like the psychology of an individual is is pretty is is what like makes me tick. There's this quote of yours um, that that I thought was interesting. Playing the cello in different spaces 
and responding to the environment is what I love most. So touring is kind of uh, very much an accelerated version of that. You're in a yeah. different space every other night or every night. Um, going into a space, is there something that you find kind of most important when you enter a space that you're going to perform to start yeah. to connect with? Definitely. I mean, like, well, first of all, I'm here for a month touring in this very high-end rock and roll capacity. Mm -hmm. Like, Tom York uh, touring is, like, um, the best it can be. The catering is really good. The security is very tight. Um, the bubble is complete. And, like, the, mm. the conditions, the work conditions are, as you might imagine, very lucky and privileged. Yeah. And it feels like... And it's definitely like a, a rolling show, right? So it goes from city to city... And it erects itself and it deconstructs itself every time. And it is presenting and they make the sound, they, they calibrate the sound system. So it's like the same, but like, and that works well. Cause you get a certain, like if it's, if you think of it as a job, then you get a certain kind of level playing field of quality. But I don't, I think, um, I don't think of it as a job at all. Like it's each building has its own soul mm. and each gathering of people is a, bespoke kind of eccentric moment with like maybe clouds of weed like lakes like coming off onto the stage or maybe like a particular bizarre kind of like coming together of people and it's and they are a unique organism and what you do on stage is you you send sound out into this auditorium and and every night it's like the ghosts of the building mm. and the sounds start to intermingle and mesh and make a kind of um, a plenipotentiary for meaning, right? So, like, I don't do any love songs or I don't have anything... I don't have anything to say. Like, I don't have any narrative. I just make quite big layers of texture and sound. There could be a love song for someone. Yes. Your interpretation. Well, it's, there's no predetermined mm -hmm. meaning in my in my work. So, it, well, in all sound, there's no predetermined... So it's free. And then you send it out and you... Yeah, I just think of it as listening to the room and the soul of the room and then from there memories get made mm -hmm. right the sound it has a binding effect so i don't have anything to to sort of like so each city that we've done i've changed the show based on like turning up and thinking about the room and playing the room and just and just the sequence of pieces of music that i play or the, the transitions mm. or the improvisation sections it's just about sitting still and listening and just and sending sound out and performing and, and sort of just kind of staying open to that moment and not trying to perfect any kind of um, free market formula that's like the, the rolling product of music mm. as a kind of capitalist kind of like um, entity which sells T-shirts. When you're, when you're walking out on stage, yes. you, you've already, you know the sound's going to be great because it's, it's kind of dialed in every night. You walk out, the moment before you play a note, is there something that, that you do? Do you look at the audience? I can imagine that in these spaces, because you mentioned the space itself has has maybe a character, a patina, these kind of the energy of a space, the moments that have come before and the, the moment that is happening. Right. Um, but, you know, from stage, you have lights and, and you might kind of catch, I imagine, you know, like the specifics faces, but the rest might be pointillism or something, a cloudy kind of mass of people. Is there something that you like to do to kind of pause before setting a note out or I, for the last week, which is, I don't know how many shows I've, I've stuck to, I've been doing one thing, which is quite 
the opposite of what you've been... I, I go on stage and the lights go down so and we're in total darkness mm. and I lie on the stage on my back like for three minutes and I, and I trigger a piece of electronic music and I just sit there in the darkness for three minutes and just think about my life. A piece that you've made? Um, yeah, it's a piece I've transcribed from the past. It's like an old... There was a Dutch synthesizer musician called Enno Fieldhouse, mm. who was a Brian Nino obsessive, and he died in 2009. And he's a very obscure, new age mm. kind of synth composer. So I've made, I've made a version of one of his old tunes. His melodies are amazing. Mm. And then I, I sit there at the back of the stage and on the floor in the darkness. And it feels... Because there's, with performing, there's always this feeling like you've got to do something and you've got to be, look busy. Otherwise, people are going to be like, this guy's no good because, like, he doesn't look busy. But I'm quite into the opposite, letting the room starting... Let the room and the, the weirdness of people's listening habits or the, the way they're talking to each other... Let, every, let all the ghouls in the room start to manifest. Mm -hmm. So I lie there and let this big piece of sort of synth music with a melody sort of boom out for three minutes. And then I slowly... And then the yeah. light slowly comes on and I play the cello out coming out of it so they can mm. see the, the gig starting to open out so that's that's a kind of trick that i've been doing for a, about a week and a half i think on this tour we've done 19 19 dates so there's scope to try anything out it's almost like i mean cage went really far with 333 by not having a sound in the room the ghouls of the room or the ghouls of the outdoors come out well he did i mean 433 is yeah 433 no no worries is <laughs> is about the audience and the building mm -hmm. listening to itself. There's no silence in 433. Exactly, yeah. It's a I think that's what you're getting at. It's like the lighting rig might be humming. Mm -hmm. the, the sirens might not be completely suppressed. Mm -hmm. the, your neighbours sniffing might... And everything starts to make a tapestry. And that was a very kind of like... That was the beginning of kind of like a anti-music, ambient music. Yeah. Of, that was the beginning of something to do with listening. That was the beginning of like deep listening where you actually he was sort of pointing the the microphone back at the audience yeah. and say you your ears are there so I, I guess that's a tiny influence hmm. I mean you you by by not being very active I mean you're, yeah. you're active in, in lying there and absorbing but it it's it's a f it seems like a f nice concept of like tuning into to what's happening and also I'm denying I'm denying the audience uh, something I'm, I'm denying that 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 six, that feeling mm -hmm. of like you need to make success happen because I think um, I'm really interested in because all my life I've been walking out on stage in the sort of cello co world like contexts like classical music contexts sure. live radio and stuff which was quite icky it's quite formal yeah. and it was like oh let's sort of like have an opinion about this person mm -hmm. and you walk out and you display your I'm using my fingers to do quote marks gifts right and but your gifts are a, are a consequence of like I'm your... using my fingers to scratch a squirrel. Yes, I love your squirrel. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought your squirrel collection in, especially the stuffed ones. But um, and that, but um, that that was that's been like the one like large course of my life. You mm. walk out and you've got about five seconds in which to convince everyone that they can relax because mm. they've they've bought this expensive ticket and. You just take them into the palm of your hand and say, here, this is going to be OK. Like, this mm -hmm. is going to be pleasurable. I'm interested in people stopping thinking. Mm. And that's, that's a hard thing to do. And it takes a while. And encouraging people to f let go, let go of the, 
the opinions and the reasons why they came, who this is, the context for the gig. You know, a lot of people are sort of... Even I went, oh, what did I do? Yeah, it was a Radiohead concert in a stadium in Manchester and I'd played the warm-up act mm-hmm. like, in Manchester and that's like... I went back into the crowd to watch the show and I think they were playing No Surprises. And no, no one knew who I was, so I could just sort of mingle and just watch. And everyone's just talking the whole time. And the guys are talking to their girlfriends, lecturing them about, like, the songs. <laughs> and, and, like, in No Surprises, the guy next to me was telling his girlfriend, oh, mate, like, the next line is bring down the government. And, um, and when, when he sings bring down the government, everyone's going to cheer. And then they sang bring down the government and everyone cheered. And it, it could be time travelers, actually. Right. <laughs> it could have. Yeah, and it was like this moment. It was in two thousand and sixteen or seventeen or something, and it was like because it's like a ninth song from nineteen ninety seven. Mm. So they're saying this is prescient. This is somehow like meaningful. And um, but it was that weird like ongoing commentary against the back back lay of this music. Mm-hmm. And I I I'm much more interested in the the gap between silence and music mm-hmm. than like sort of quasi sort of political kind of commentary ideological mm-hmm. sort of thinking it's like your, so, it's your chance to be free to t- tell us more about the gap between silence and music what what is that for you well it's like extinguishing sound you know like in morton felton's music like the power of echo the power of just one tone diminishing and the sadness of it and the chance to just meditate on your the uh, irony of your existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but to to listen to a piece like that too, there is the room, there's the noise, there's the there's atmosphere. There's never silence. There's never silence. Like yeah. Cage again going into an anechoic chamber and is, you're yeah. hearing a circular system. Totally, man. This neurons. all matters. Even on like this rock and roll context, like with a huge PA system mm-hmm. and selling T-shirts and everything that matters as part of that apparatus to keep it all like buzzing and alive and keeping the culture fun still people's listening i think because now i've had a baby <laughs> like there's truly never a silence <laughs> well yes no i don't know maybe it's different i mean because i find that i have a child too i there's more quiet moments or intentional moments than before when i was racing around there's yes. more moments where i try to pause and say I, i'm gonna yes. stare at her for a while or i'm gonna that on your end and their end they don't see very well for a mm, while they, they see black and white shapes but their ears are their main uh, conduit of information to mm-hmm. the world and their first emotions are going to be predicated upon the sound environment that they're in. So when you're rocking them to sleep or mm-hmm. walking with them, um, and them is our, all of us, we are all, this is what we are, we're deeply conditioned by our listening mm-hmm. and how well we we covet the... Uh, um, the sensitivity of our ability to hear things, whether it's listening to nature or or a fantastic like big show, is that's that's the key to making like giving yourself a happy, contented life. Mm. Because I think it's from birth that the ocean, the ocean of the womb, yep. and the deep resonance of that, and then the shock, the tragedy of birth, and like the wrenching and just that terrifying bright light and the then the consoling sounds what comes to play the mother's voice you know the white noise apps mm. that you might use the the gentle you know the dutch new age music the dutch new age music it all matters so that's now since having a child that 
gap between life and mm-hmm. music or life and sound has become very, very porous. I don't mm-hmm. even know now that there is a gap between the fundamentals of life and what we're trying to do with music. Mm. Uh, a good piece of music has everything in it that a, that a baby needs to go to sleep mm-hmm. to. Variety, uh, good sound, uh, undulation, repetition, but not too much. Mm-hmm. You know, repetition with extension, you know, things that just carry on, keeping that baby kind of drifting off and stimulated until it just zones out and mm. lets go in your arms. So, like, I don't know. The best music lesson I've ever had has just been in the last six months. Previously, f- for your baby ears or your baby mind or your baby outlook on 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 music and what it can be, because you mentioned, you know, coming up in maybe a conservatory world, coming up in a space that that a cello meant classical music and right. might might have meant something formalized. Often it takes people to, you know, kind of a moment of epiphany or a role model or somebody to kind of pull you along and say, it can be different. Did you have someone like that or was it more of kind of a natural kind of growth to, did you always feel, it it doesn't have to be this straight line, it can be wobbly, it can be a pause, it can be a skip, a hop, a jump. I think just, I had the cello going when I was little through my own sort of like I asked I saw one and I asked to play it and I and my parents rented one mm. for me and then it's sort of like I I thought it's a great instrument and I just like playing it but there's I always thought I can tell that there's more um there's more kind of lines or colors to music there are many different modes of music right and you differentiate between them all and um in my own time in my bedroom and it became obvious. I th- I thought I wanted to play the bass guitar and the cello at the same time when I was little, but I never got round to it. Like, I, there wasn't time. I just ended up just playing the cello. But then, like, sort of the radio and just... You know, the fact that music is obviously this huge spectrum of human activity mm-hmm. with many, many different responses, of sort of body movement to sort of very still, cerebral listening. Like, I just felt like... I was interested in that. Mm. So I never thought I was a classical musician. It's not until much later when we become sort of like young adults, people start talking about industries and things like classical music as an industry Mm. or as a, as a bizarre kind of like construct of 350 years of a certain type of music. Um, I don't, I never, never had that. It was just music. Mm. And, and so you're asking me about iconic people that might've influenced me like, I Definitely. mean, maybe your parents to give a space for intuitive kind of... Yeah, they're very, that's great that they sort of let me, but they were quite... Yeah, they they were, they were weren't sure when mm. I was, like... had, like, real, like, like noise going on mm-hmm. in the, like... And I was listening to a lot of Aphex and, and going to a lot of bands and um, when I was a teenager. Because the cello discipline is a sort of thing that they have supported mm. and they... I think they probably wondered if I was undermining it in my free time, if I was, like, sort of by exploring noise Mm -hmm. or, like, electronics or things that were, like, way, way more dissonant or way more harsh, way more subversive, I guess, that I was going to somehow, like, undo all the good. You know, this, you know, cello practice and lessons with a teacher and all that improvement 
that seems to a parent like, oh, my child is mm. doing very well, developing. There seemed like this wobbly moment where I was going to, like, undermine it all. Mm. But now they're completely amazed, amazing because they realise that it, it was kind of f- feeding, like, yeah. the totality of music. I mean, hopefully through time, these things also change. I think there was kind of a, a, and maybe even previous generations, a more linear kind of path of this is yes. what you're supposed to do in life. Yes. But but success can shift, you know, or anybody's independent kind of idea of success and fulfillment. But also the power of, I mean, thank goodness for, for say, radio, thank goodness for John Peel or other yes. uh, people who, who through these kind of airwaves or opportunities or Radiohead to, mm-hmm. to show that, that it's broader and yes. that, that music isn't a narrow channel or the opportunities aren't, aren't predetermined. Uh, you know, you've got to do this in order to, to be happy. Uh, so thank goodness for the people that, that kind of broaden the scope um, yeah. and through your work by being being out there and laying on stage playing you know your 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 uh, version of dutch new age music in the darkness i mean it's even a different experience for people to to come into a space and say this is possible somebody i, I love this in that film 24 hour party people the kind of freeze frame of this sex pistol show there weren't many people in the room but the people who experienced this moment were affected and then went on to to do something else so yes. through music and performance to touch and connect with people and to do it maybe in a different way um it it's powerful yeah the germination of all that you're right about johnny and tom from radiohead and like i listen to a lot of orteca and i listen mm. to a lot of different kinds of but i wouldn't i don't think i would have because that was ma- no radiohead were luckily like a, a mainstream culture that was like yeah. marketed mm-hmm. at a 15 year old in the uk yep and i was absorbed i had everything and i was really but the the, the, the keeping the the river wide they then exploded and showed us the boards of canada and stuff which was already going on mm-hmm. and but it it, it that I, it helped me broaden out mm-hmm. a lot everybody has a different entry point yes. and i think as as the further you know you, you travel in music and the more you you, you gain i guess knowledge wise or 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 you know, the more that comes into your, your repertoire of, of experience. Yeah. Memory and yeah, sound. it's, it's great to realize that everybody's at a different point and everybody's totally. kind of, you know, whether they're a baby just coming out of the womb exactly, or a young concert goer, you know, to, to meet them at that level or offer the opportunity to, to enter the world. I mean, yeah, I, I always think about that. You're, you're playing to a room I'm very lucky to play to a room of like a thousand people, two thousand people, and every single one of their lives in sound has been different. Mm-hmm. Also, just not even just types of music or even just pieces of music, but like acoustics, like the sound of their kitchen yeah. when they were growing up, the reverberation of that kitchen yeah. would connote a particular sequence of emotions in their in their memory. So reverbs themselves just the very the idea of reflections of sound Mm -hmm. connote for people a whole trajectory of like memory like the sound of the the first time they saw they went to the beach or the the time they had an argument with their mother in the kitchen each one of these are psychoacoustic sort of implants Mm. that go very very deep then add to that the whole history of like tones and combinations of tones Mm. And different the grain of different voices. Like, are you a David Bowie person, or you a Mark mm-hmm. E. Smith person? Are you, you know, like, are you like a? Do you love Grouper or like whatever? It does, like all these things 
move you very differently based on the trajectory of your life up until that your lived experience up mm. to that point I, and then I guess what am I saying it's unknowable it's fast it's way so when you play a show to a thousand people you just sort of do something you try and bind something together that you like mm. and then hopefully it translates into some kind of cultural sort of um, pollination like a group experience do you think that in in your work and in live performance especially that kind of sonic sense memory is an important part are those moments is it i mean it, it might not be like specifically i'm now you know but you're synthesizing all of this through your experience and then it's coming out in the moment through sound is all of that pulled into to what you do in the moment i find it very relaxing to be really really obsessed with with very basic details Mm -hmm. like very very uh to be falling in love every day with the basics Mm -hmm. of music and that's literally the distance between two tones Hmm. or the 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 relative gap between two sounds in the mix and just to be sitting there and just over and over again i think we i think a lot of people who make music on their own or, or they who like tinkering they like hearing just the difference between this mm-hmm. or this mm-hmm. and in a, in a in a venue i definitely use all of my sound check time mm-hmm. just calibrating but it's it's, it's instinctual you're yeah. just sort of impulse so i'm just playing this and i turn up this microphone and then i turn it back again just needed to know mm-hmm. what it felt like on stage the reflections so it's like i find that very therapeutic mm-hmm. um a bit like with the baby um I'm really obsessed with what patterns. If you if you rock him in a figure of eight, what mm-hmm. difference does that make? Or if there's if there's black metal playing in the background mm-hmm. on a low level, <laughs> it's like what difference does that make? And and how can we keep keep things um, ticking? And I think this is like because I'm not so interested in self expression, mm-hmm. like this idea of like me, the artist. I've got something to say. Here are my love songs. You know, I split up with my girlfriend or whatever. I I I think that's okay but it's kind of like a individual point mm-hmm. of view like and mundane and kind of we all go through those things um and, and universal but but in the little tiny details between people like moments where two people or or a, or a performer and a listener obsess over little abstract details of like how one word is pronounced mm. or how one sound fades in or should it just start suddenly like that cue for that piece of music in that film score should just bang like Hitchcock just come in without a fade these tiny little things which creative people kind of like agonise over that's for me there's there's meaning in that in Mm. that gap in that tiny little detail and that has the potential to explode out for Mm. millions of people who then feel that energy or that intensity it's arbitrary I mean it could be a, a sudden fade or it could be a a harsh transient could be an accident yeah and it could be an accident something you couldn't control but in that there's an energy in mm-hmm. that human activity between people like mm-hmm. the nexus i don't even know what that word means but like the mm-hmm. like the meeting point between maybe two people or three people like a band who find a thing mm-hmm. that then has the power to translate for hundreds and thousands of people more because it just ripples mm-hmm. that's interesting that, I, I find that more interesting than self-expression yeah 
It seems like uh, these things lead to uh, a long life in music. If you're, if the simple pleasure of the space between the two notes or things, you know, kind of varying and shifting, if the pure sound enjoyment is the pleasure and the the connection Absolutely. with people, it's a it's a it's a good thing. I mean, the, a lot of people are shooting for the wrong target, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget- I mean, not or it might be the right target for them, but uh, totally. That's very. If you live in a big city. You're associated with sound and culture, mm-hmm. all this kind of re- revolving, all these ideas and all these people grabbing, looking to make success. Mm-hmm. But if you re- sort of like, I'm really inspired by like Young Lean, who said that success does not motivate me, and mm-hmm. and he's a great guy. And it's just, what does that mean? Success does not motivate me. A lot of it. That's like because we all say quite hippie stuff all the time, like you know, be yourself or like don't like fame and money won't make you happy kind of stuff. But what does success does not motivate me even mean? It means take away that, that desire to, to sort of win. Like, like failure as well is a massive, powerful tool, mm-hmm. but also what might motivate you might just be love. Yeah. And just like, just tinkering and being a child, like play, being playful and, and talking to people and sharing your loves. Sometimes these big ideas that seem cliched are, are really, yeah, they're big drivers of, you know, it's like you can boil it down to the elemental and you can boil it down to these things that, that truly do matter. People at the end of life, you know, you see it happen where people, you know, are on their deathbed and they, they go back. I mean, personally, for me, my grandfather he was saying, you know, the little things didn't matter, you know, the, the worries, you know, and 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 it's always kind of in retrospect, you know, that people kind of come to this or, you know, they're, they're softened with age, but the sooner you can get there, maybe the better you can, uh, enjoy, you know, if you don't worry about those things and you get pleasure in the small things, you know, whether it's rocking your child in a figure eight or, you know, collaborating with people or sharing a musical moment with people in a room. So there's someone that's working on the Tom York tour who's gorgeous and she's like the production manager or I think she's a production manager and she does Radiohead too and, and she was sharing like this there's, there's like a somebody she was sharing with me is just like a spiritual kind of like um, um, like a talker and 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 and, and there's, a, there's a religious basis for it but, but at the same time as, as the same time as the spiritual side being sort of mystical or magical mm-hmm. there's a lot of logic in what she's saying is that people get together and have meetings and they say what's our agenda with this meeting? Mm-hmm. And they say, what are we going to try to get out of this meeting? Or, or how are we as this group of people trying to get something out of something else in society or the world? But the first thing that they should acknowledge is just like that, that they're, they're, they're here together in this moment. Mm. And how are you? And, and are, are you sharing your experience of being alive and being tender with each other mm. just just to acknowledge that you just exist before you get onto this business of like how can we screw someone else um just just slow down and just be like i'm so happy to be in this mm. corridor with you mm. because that that is that's a lucky moment we're lucky to be mm. alive and we're lucky to have each other and if we can just share then there's a basis for just calm and then good things will come mm. like man they will like it will manifest hmm. not in a direct way not in like i really need to get this gig or this job yeah. but you just you just hold on to the basics of 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 like 
being in the moment with other human beings and mm. solidarity because mm. we need each other yeah, yeah. so badly without this kind of grabbiness. Mm-hmm. I mean, music's a powerful way to get together, of course, bonding and connecting people. And you can have a, a gathering, an intentional gathering that births music that doesn't have a preset intention that can come to light in the moment. Um, do you have favorite spaces when you're when you're not playing in, say, a three thousand seat space with Tom York or you know wherever um, places to you that are 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 most kind of sacred or, or or fulfilling when you're home? I mean, you know, it's it's like as simple as sometimes I could just like somebody says, "Oh, please, can you get your cello out and play in the kitchen?" Hmm. So I'll just play in the kitchen. And it's like. And it's like, there's no, it's just, I'm clearly happy doing it. And, mm-hmm. and there's energy and there's like, the sound is really nice. And, and the, the house is full of these tones. And, and I feel so lucky that I've, I've been playing the cello for like 28 years. And it's a very natural thing. And, and, and I, you know, I love electronic music and I love like editing in renoise and whatever. But in terms of just like having a nice moment with other people, mm. I just... You know, I'm so lucky to get this instrument out of the case and just play these sort of little passages or little riffs or, or folk music or something that just is just quite relaxing and f- f- joyful. And I don't know that. So, but I've also don't have because I because life is kind of messy and 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 so people often like, um, what are your conditions? What do you need to perform? But because I've tried to make that not important, so the cello and me, we just sort of turn up, and I now don't even always use a chair. Like, like some, like I, some of my set I play standing up because it's quite fun to stand. But like, the, they will often say, "What size chair do you need?" I just say, "Well, if, the, if there is a chair, like, can it have no arms mm-hmm. so I can like bow freely?" Yeah. But I've learnt just completely because because often when I was starting out, I would do a recording session in like a garden shed. And it would sound terrible under my ears because the shed is very, very dry and dead. But you just have to trust that the vibrations are going through into the microphone going through and then you could re- mad reverb mm. later or not. You just have to let your muscles relax. See, when I was 10 or something, I first got to play in a church, then all your muscles relax because mm. for the cello, it's huge sympathetic vibrations in mm. a church and you just... And you realise your body just behaves like you're floppy. Mm. But if you go and play in a garden shed, like you get like rigor mortis because you're like, ah, it sounds dreadful. So your body tenses. Yeah, interesting. So it's like vocal so your coaching. Reaction, your physical reaction right. to to. It's just like singing. So if a drink, singer feels like, oh god, I sound like crap, they yeah. tend to tense up. Mm-hmm. Like, but if you if if they're in a bath or a shower, like, mm-hmm. and there's like wow, like loads of glow yeah. in the room, they just. But also the the uh, expectations of the moment. Maybe if you're playing in a friend's kitchen and the tea kettle's going, and it's just this kind of yes, light no moment. You know, it's sort of like when you pull out a camera and everybody's faces, the muscles yeah. tense up or whatever. It's it's you know maybe accidental. You should you should uh, get a bunch of like a sneaky sleuthy recording engineers to kind of uh, record the casual moments. Yeah, that's um, right. yeah. Speaking of churches. Maybe let's hear a church from your album, Shelley's on Zenla. Sure. And, uh, and then uh, we've got some, some music. Well, here's some, some music uh, that you're going to share with us. It's been a real pleasure connecting with you here on air, sharing 
these uh, thoughts with the listeners. Oliver Coates, my guest here on Celsius Drop. It's dublab.com. Here is a church. Anything you want to let people know in general? A church. So, yeah, um, you walk into a sort of big church or like a cathedral, Mm -hmm. and at the front end, there's this Mm. bizarre funk band playing like there's a bass but there's a bass guitar and a cellist kind of vying for attention mm. and it's kind of a bit awkward it's a bit like you know religious religious service where everyone's like really joyful and a bit over the top it's not very cool and down at the other end there's a this is maybe the younger ollie Coates, you know choosing between the life and bass guitar or the life and could be <laughs> i don't know this is what i see in it now and at the other end there's a very beautiful and serene kind of Choral coming mm. from a female voice at the far end of the church is very very pure so you've got this juxtaposition of like it's just like a bit wrong and right it sort mm. of it makes you pause what kind of light is in the space down the front where the band it's quite bad lighting mm. <laughs> and down at the other end it's very it's super spiritual and serene let's get into this space Conversation was produced by Dublab, a nonprofit radio station broadcasting live from Los Angeles since 1999. Sound editing and theme song by Matea Bame. For more programming, visit dublab.com. And thank you for listening.